Good afternoon. We want to say greetings to our visitors. We're so glad that the Lord have led you here. Thank you for being in our presence today. Have you ever felt like you were searching for something but didn't know exactly what it was? Maybe you feel like you're missing something essential in your life even though you can't quite put your finger on what it is. Truth is, we all have a deep longing for something greater than ourselves, something that can provide us with the sustenance and fulfillment we crave. And in John 6, verses 28 through 59, Jesus addresses this longing head-on using powerful metaphors to explain how he is the bread of life that can truly nourish our souls. Through this passage, we can gain a deeper understanding of Jesus' mission and purpose and how he offers us a path to eternal life and true fulfillment. And in today's modern world, it's easy to get caught up in distractions and noise of daily life. But by taking the time to delve into Jesus' words in John 6, we can rediscover our lives true meaning and purpose and find the spiritual nourishment we need to thrive in a challenging and often confusing world. So I invite you to join me as we explore John chapter 6, beginning at verse 28. And we got um, quite a bit of passage to try to cover today. But we will try to discover the timeless truths and insights it holds for us today. I think I'm going to have to do a part two. I can already see that. Um, so uh, I'm going to try to cut off wherever, wherever I can. And uh, this is something I got to get used to because I like finishing. <laughs> I like finishing what I start, but I'm learning how to cut it off and begin next time. So y'all pray for me. John chapter 6, beginning at verse 28. Hear now the word of the living God. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you you do? And that we may see and believe you, what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses 
who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I shall never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except He who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. 
This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would help us now. Pray that you would give clarity and understanding, that you would speak to circumstances and situations. We pray that you would rain down blessings on us, Lord. We know, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it won't return to you void. We know also that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The flower fades, the green grass falls, but your word shall stand forever. Lord, we pray that you would bless now this time as we continue in worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled today's message, Jesus, the bread of life, believe in him. Believe in him. Beginning in verses 28 through 31, just want to reread that. It says, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing, they said plural, works of God. But notice Jesus answered. Jesus answered them, this is singular, the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what sign do you give that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our father ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave bread from heaven to eat. So here you see the people that Jesus has this discussion with tried to make it appear that God gave them the manna because of their doing or their obedience to God. But the ancestors received the manna because of their disobedience and complaints to the Lord. However, they're trying to say that it was a sign that Moses did. Yet, it was a kind and merciful act of God. And can you almost feel the pride and arrogance that oozes out of them as they receive the manna out of doing the work of God and obeying his command? That's the perception that they want to have. At this point, a good question is why they were in the wilderness in the first place. Because they were, and I'll tell you, they were a stiff-necked, disobedient people that disbelieved God. Their disbelief caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. You see, context matters. They are trying to pose as if their ancestors did a great job and they ate the manna in the wilderness. 
This is a reminder to us as we try to evangelize the culture in our sphere of influence, we have to know where we are in the scriptures so that we also might be able to correct people and explain to them properly and correctly what the scripture says. And to see this, let's go to the text. Please turn, to, turn with me to Psalm 78. And for the sake of time, we will only read a few verses, but I would encourage you to read the whole thing and get a little history there. But I want you to see what really happens and what they are referring to as a sign. Now, no one ought to use this event as a sign in a positive and good way unless they're acknowledging the power of God. But rather, it ought to be spoken of in the negative because of their disobedience. So let's start with verse 19 in Psalm 78. They spoke against God, saying, God, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread, uh, provide meat for his people? You see the arrogance there? Therefore, when the Lord heard... He was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angel. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens. And by his power, he led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of seas. He let down fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. And they ate and were filled. For he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. Sounds familiar? There's a lot of people where we will have the opportunity to share the gospel with them, to share uh, the beauty of God's holiness, the fact that he would save sinners according to his grace, not requiring works from us, but just out of his goodness, the fact that God so loved the world. People still... Do not believe. They wanted a sign. They said, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. These listeners tried to show their allegiance to Moses and the miraculous feeding of Israel in the wilderness up against the Christ. And all the miracles he performed before their very eyes. These were the same people who, if there's a comparison, yes, 
God rained down heaven and rained down from heaven the manna, right? And the people received the manna and ate. But these here, they saw the loaves and, and, and the fish coming out of the basket. They, they, they were able to, to make fish sandwiches there where they were. And God did that. They saw that. And yet they asked for another sign. Give us another sign. And we'll believe as if God had not done anything. This only exposes them. So it's, it's strange that they would ask for a sign. It exposes their unbelief just like their ancestors. Scripture says while the food was still in their mouth, they still expressed disbelief and distrust in God. The reality is they sought and craved food that perishes. They wanted the kind of satisfaction that was temporal. How about us? What about us? Are we seeking in this life things to please our flesh? Things that would make us feel good? What about us? What are we craving? Is there anything that we're placing before God? Is there anything we're giving adoration to? Is it our jobs? Is it it our career, our bank accounts? Whatever it is, is there anything? It's a reminder to us to take inventory of ourselves. They wanted this kind of satisfaction. But do we crave that which is eternal? Is that our goal? Is that our perspective? Or do we live this life to seek out the right now? Right? And so it's a moment of testing. It's a moment of reflection. In response to them, in verse 32, it says, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. See, Jesus corrects them again and lets them know who they ought to give the glory to. They're so confident in what Moses did. And the fact is, Moses could not do anything apart from God. Therefore, God gets the glory. And that's the practice of the believer, that in everything we want God to get all the glory. And that's something that we must discipline ourselves to do because we can get caught up in the world and thinking that we did something. But the fact is, we can't even breathe without God. And so we, we want to practice good conduct, good behaviors, so that we might honor God and honor Christ the more. So Jesus corrects the Jews Stating to them that in truth, Moses Moses did not give them bread, but ultimately it was God the Father. And the bread he gave them in the wilderness was only a shadow of the true bread that he was giving them now. 
So in showing that he is greater and more excellent than Moses, Jesus says, my father gives you true bread. He identifies himself with the father and says, I am the true bread that is from heaven. He's showing them that reality. And so in showing that he is greater and more excellent than Moses, Jesus says, my father gives you true bread. We see some of the evidence, or some of this evidence in Hebrews 3, amongst other places as well. Uh, in Hebrews 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So here we see that the scriptures exalt Jesus as more significant than Moses. And Jesus himself claims to be greater than Moses. In addition, the manor in the wilderness was temporal. They ate and were filled, but they needed another filling. They needed to be filled again. But Jesus, who is the true bread from heaven, fills us eternally. So, notice what he says in the next verse, verse 33. The bread of God is he. He identifies the bread of God as a person. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus explains that the bread of God is himself who comes down from heaven. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never Thirst points to the idea that God is able to give us full satisfaction. In these verses, Jesus is continuing his teaching about himself as the bread of life. He declares that the bread of God is not physical bread that satisfied the body's hunger, but instead it is himself the one who has come down from heaven to give life to the world. It's the very same thing that Jesus continued to say when he says, I am the life. So he continues on that same path, pointing to the reality that he is able to give us the spiritual sustenance for our soul. This is the same point he made in John chapter 3, verse 13, when he told Nicodemus, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. If come down for this very purpose so that he might give life to the world. It was, it was what he and the father agreed to. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Also in John 8, verse 42, he reiterated the same message there when he states, there it says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. The people listening to him who asked for this bread think that he is referring to physical bread. But Jesus corrects them by saying that he is the bread of life. And in verse 35, he states, I am the bread of life. He didn't say, I am a bread, or I am one of the breads. No, he said, I am singular, the bread, signaling to his listeners his divine nature and sovereign ability to provide for them if they believe. He then goes on to say that whoever comes to him will never be hungry. Whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. Jesus uses the metaphor of bread to emphasize the spiritual nourishment that he offers. We can relate to this in our culture because almost on every American table, you can find a little bit of bread. It might even be in the form of a tortilla. But it's still bread. It, it points to this idea of sustenance. This, it points to this idea of filling. It points to this idea of nourishment. And so he uses this metaphor to draw his audience in so they, that they might grasp this spiritual truth. And so he says, I am the bread of life. He then goes on to say that whoever comes to him will never be thirsty and whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. Jesus, I'm sorry, whoever is hungry and whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. Jesus uses the metaphor of bread to emphasize this spiritual nourishment that he offers Just as bread is essential for physical sustenance, Jesus is essential for spiritual sustenance. He satisfies our hunger for meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in life and offers eternal life to all who would believe in him. Jesus' teaching about being the bread of life is just as relevant for us today as it was in his time. We live in a culture that is often obsessed with physical and material things, and it can be easy to forget the true sustenance and fulfillment come from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So as believers, we need 
also to prioritize our spiritual nourishment by seeking to know Christ more by believing and obeying what God commands and teaches from Holy Scripture. We must remember that our hunger and thirst for meaning and purpose can only be satisfied through Jesus, through a genuine relationship with him by faith. We should also be intentional about sharing the message of the bread of life with those who hunger and who are thirsty for something more. We can offer hope and fulfillment that comes from a relationship with Christ to those around us searching for meaning and for purpose. In verses 36 through 40, Jesus continues, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. He's still dealing with the reality that they're still not trusting him. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing, all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The end of that verse, we continue to see this promise. I think it's mentioned about four times. He keeps saying to us, he keeps helping us uh, to remind us of the assurance that he provides. And he keeps on saying, I will raise him up on the last day. You don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Your salvation is in God's hand. Our assurance is in God's hand. We have hope and we have confidence, not because we're strong. but We have hope and confidence in the one who is strong, the almighty God. And so we can rest in that reality. We can find hope in that reality. When things come into our lives and shake us, We can remember the sturdy and firm foundation that is in Christ. And it is in him alone that we can find peace that surpasses all understanding. But we must remember. We must remember the benefits we have only in Christ. It comes from our faith in God. We must believe because if we don't, we will miss the opportunities that God has provided for us. And this is the point. There is God in the midst of them, right? The Emmanuel is with them. 
They're missing out on all of the blessings that he's willing to provide for them if they would only believe. What about us? Many opportunities we've missed because of our lack of faith, because of not believing or not remembering what God has said in his word. We pray for things that we want to happen in our lives, but we miss out on opportunities because there is no fellowship between us and God. The book is still on the shelf, and it's been there since Sunday. It shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. We ought to commune with God daily, and it ought to be as an aroma to us, a sweet-smelling aroma as we go to the Word of God. I wonder what he's going to say today. There's a certain expectation, but we have to have it here before we can appreciate it. If not, it'll just be like any other book, and we'll miss out just like the world. We'll be just like the world. So, we must remember to be intentional about our faith and about sharing our faith. In verse 36 to 40, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who have seen him perform miracles and heard him teach, but have not yet fully believed in him as the Son of God. He begins by acknowledging their lack of faith despite seeing him with their own eyes. He then goes on to explain that all those whom the Father has given to him will come to him and he will never cast them out. There's that assurance again. God's keeping power. No one can cast them out. He will not cast them out. Jesus then declares that he has come down from heaven not to do his own will, but the will of the Father who sent him. The Father's will is that Jesus should lose none of those given to him, but raise them up on the last day. And Jesus states that anyone who looks on him and believes in him will have eternal life. There's another promise. And he will raise them on the last day. And so this reminds us that we must also have faith in Jesus as the Son of God and trust in his promises of eternal life. We're also called to recognize that salvation comes from God alone and that we cannot earn it through our own efforts. Therefore, we must put our faith in Jesus as the one who has come down from heaven to do the will of the Father and provides us with eternal life. What about you? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? 
Do you believe him? The scripture is clear in what he said to them about receiving him as the bread of life. His message today is clear about how we can come to knowing him and having a relationship through faith, through believing him. The thing that separated Jesus' listeners from having a true relationship with him was not because of any works that they needed to do, but it was simply because of their disbelief. And so, what about us today? And so, did you notice um, why Jesus constantly rebuked them? He criticized them because they refused to believe in him. Are you like the Jews? Will you constantly refuse to accept them and believe in him to save yourself? What are you waiting on? If, if we understand what Scripture says, what are we waiting on? Are we like the Jews? Are we like the listeners? I, I need another sign. God has to somehow do another work before we would believe in him. What, what is it? What, what, what is it? If, if I understand the evidence is clear. And that's what we're asking you to do is to look at the evidence. And if you see Jesus as a lunatic, then don't trust him. If he seems like a liar to you, don't trust him. But if he is Lord. You ought to trust him. You ought to trust him now. Today. The scripture says that today, the right now is the salvation of God. Today. So I, I believe you understand. You've seen enough. The evidence is clear. The question is, will you leave here today like a non-believing Jew Wandering in the wilderness of this life, looking around for more signs and more things. Or will you believe Jesus who says he is the bread of life? Will you eat upon him? Will you eat from his table, his ability to give you substance? Will you believe him? He's the bread of life. So from the beginning, Christ claimed to bring eternal life. Will you believe? Additionally, as Christians, we must remember that Jesus promises never to cast out those who come to him in faith, meaning that our salvation is secure. He, his promise should give us Great comfort. Great comfort. I wanted to say that again because the promise provides something for us. It's not just knowing, having the knowledge of, but it provides comfort for us. It provides confidence in our walk with Christ. And so we must also strive to live our lives in accordance with the will of the Father and trust Jesus' promise to raise us up on the last day. And in doing so, we can have the assurance that our hope for, to, for eternal life is well-placed and that we can rest securely in our faith in Christ. 
But notice their response. They could not comprehend what Jesus was teaching them. The text says, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? This passage, the Jews listening to Jesus begin to grumble among themselves because of his claim to be the bread that came down from heaven. They question how Jesus could make such a claim. Who do you think he is? We saw him grow up. We know Mary and we know Joseph. How is it that he can say he's the bread that have come down down from heaven? So the Jews' response reflects their misunderstanding of Jesus' true identity and his mission. They were expecting a political Messiah who would overthrow overthrow the, the Roman oppressors and restore Israel to its former glory. However, they could not reconcile this expectation with Jesus' claim to be the bread that came down from heaven. So this passage serves as a reminder of the importance of recognizing Jesus' true identity and mission. It highlights the need for discernment and spiritual discernment when interpreting Jesus' teachings and claims. Is there a difference? Yes, there is. Let me explain. Discernment is the ability to judge or distinguish between different things, often using good judgment or insight. It is a common trait that can be applied in many situations, such as making decisions or assessing a situation. Spiritual discernment, on the other hand, refers to the ability to discern or recognize spiritual truths or realities. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit that enables believers to understand and interpret spiritual matters such as the will of God or the nature of the spiritual realm. So while discernment can be applied In many different contexts, spiritual discernment, a.k.a. wisdom and insight, is specific to matters of faith and spirituality. It requires a deep understanding of the Bible and teachings of Jesus as well as a solid connection to the Holy Spirit. It is a vital aspect of spiritual growth and can help believers fully or more fuller have a fuller more fuller understanding of God's will for their lives it can also help navigate complex and spiritual issues this is one of the things that we have been given as believers this is one of the benefits Moreover, this passage reminds us of 
and underscores the challenge of sharing the gospel with those who do not believe. If, if Jesus had to deal with the same thing, disbelief, then why are we feeling like it's a strange thing when people disbelieve today? He's going to address that in the next couple of verses. So, just as the Jews struggled to understand Jesus' true identity, so too will many people today struggle to understand the message of salvation through faith in Christ. That's a given. We're to come in knowing that people will struggle with this reality that Christ died, was buried, and that he rose again from the grave. And whoever, belie- whoever believes and receives that good news can be saved. That would baffle them. You mean all I have to do is believe? I don't have to do anything? Yeah. That's all you have to do. And this blows me away. Let me think about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm giving you an opportunity to have all your sins forgiven from conception to the grave, and you want to think about it? But we know why that is, right? The minds are darkened. The light haven't come in yet. There must be regeneration before they can begin to say, yes, Lord, God has to come in and tear up things and rearrange things and and bring life into them so that they might believe. He has to humble them before they can say yes, just like he did with us. So as believers, we must approach these situations, gospel opportunities, with humility with patience and with a willingness to listen to and address people's questions and concerns. But we have to ourselves be in the word. At the same time, we must remain steadfast in our faith and confidence in the truth of Jesus' claim, even when others may doubt or question them. Because here's a reality. We will not always have everybody's answer when we want them. Right? But that's not the determining thing. We must be faithful with the message. We must say what God says and let God deal with them as it relates to their faith, as it relates to their belief and trust in him. And so we will be given opportunities in our sphere of influence. It might be at the grocery store. It might be in our home. It might be at the cookout. It may be an opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us, but we must be patient. We must be kind. We must be gentle. We must express the love of Christ. And if God is at work, if the Spirit is at work, then they'll be saved on the basis of what God does, not our ability to be kind of persuasive, not our ability to kind of you know, uh, help people along that they might be saved. We just want to be faithful with the message. And so 
We must remain steadfast and put our confidence in the truth of Jesus' claims. And in response to their doubts, well, I'm going to cut it off there. See how tempting that was, boy? <laughs> I so wanted to continue, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it there. I would just encourage us to um, remember to put our footing upon what Christ has done for us and that he has given us a faith that is eternal, and we're to rest in that reality. We are to, speed, we are to feed our souls the bread Our souls need it, right? Let's not neglect our souls, right? But let us feed on the word of God. And I'm not talking about, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm not talking about uh, amounts, right? But rather consistency, right? Because God can do a whole lot with what we provide him to use. And so let us remember that and uh, may God give us many opportunities to share him as the bread of life to a dying world. Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray that um, you would help us to remember these truths pray that you would help us to continue to live lives that will point to these realities that we see in Scripture. Help us to obey your word. Help us to trust you always. Help us to believe. We know that we're able to and we're capable to because you who begun a good work in us shall complete it. Help us to have the confidence and the hope that you have provided. Help us to leave here a changed people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.